Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello and welcome to this topical life. Today we have a very special guest because you know all our guests are so special. This lady, let me tell you, I have a nickname for her. She doesn't know that I've thought of it, but it's it's Fierce Pierce. Oh, that's Pam cute. Pam Pierce, okay? And um, if you're from Westland or live in Westland or have been in Westland, um, Oregon, you might have run into Pam Pierce. She um, is very well known in a lot of different areas of the community. But um, let me just say, talking with her and hearing her story and just blips of different things she said, you are in for a real treat, okay? And I think she's, you know, I'm going to let her talk more about her story and all that stuff. But I will say that um, I think a a thing that I hear a lot of people talk about is, is alcoholism. And if they're an alcoholic, if they're not an alcoholic, their family's an alcoholic, there's just, it's just, it's a big issue, um, in society. And, you know, so she's just a wealth of information. And, um, so we're just going to talk and we'll, we'll stop when the time needs to stop and then we'll continue if we need to continue. But, um, Pam Pierce, Fierce Pierce. <laughs> Thank you. Has no one ever said Fierce Pierce? No. And now I'm like, I need to write that down. Somewhere. Really? Yeah. That's, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks um, for coming. I always start off. It's the the concept of my mess is now my message, mm. and um. Again, my name is Pam Pierce, and I'm a person in long term recovery, and that means that I've not had drugs or alcohol. Um. In 24 years, I got sober in 1995, July 13th, and it has been, um, I have a good friend who um, describes it as being in recovery is a gift wrapped in a funny box, um, and it's true. I When I speak about having a substance use disorder or prevention, intervention, treatment, or recovery, um, looking at the process, it's, I always, I find it fascinating that outside of the birth of my children, this is the thing I'm most proud of. And which is fascinating yeah. and interesting. Um, because do I want it? Of course not. I mean, it's, it's a disease. And I don't think anyone, you know, it's like, I don't want cancer. I don't, I don't want to be diabetic. And I have a substance use disorder. Um, and so the good news is it's a manageable disease. And Again, it's a it's a weird blessing because the people that I've met in this arena are gifted. I believe it's a superpower. It is. Or it's the thing that will hurt us in in terrible ways. Um, I grew up in Lake Oswego. And when I graduated from high school, I won Biggest Partier and Best Dressed. And at, at the time, again, our culture has created an environment where that's celebrated and lifted up. And at the time, I thought, oh, I'm so cool. This is so awesome. Um, but I always knew something was off with me. And again, I didn't have the education. I didn't have the knowledge. I knew my dad, when he drank, was something was off, that it didn't work. My dad was not a 
daily drinker. He was a situational or a binge user. And um, <coughs> I have the same strain. And so when I graduated from high mm. school, I <clears throat> had average grades. Um, school was not easy for me. Um, several years ago, I was diagnosed with ADD. And as a young person, um, you know, I've always had it. And so school was hard. And so not knowing about ADD or any learning, I probably had learning disabilities as well. Um, and having no support or education, I just kind of limped along. Yeah. And for me, finding drugs and alcohol um, as a young person made me feel better. I thought that it was working. I thought like, wow, everything I desire when I was a teen um, under the influence, I thought that that's, this is great. Now I'm the person that I've always wanted to be. And of course, I refer to it as being allergic to it. And so I would do things that I'm embarrassed about, ashamed about. Um, I would black out. I'd make jokes about that. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to remember. And um, but those were all red flags. And again, having no education and a family that, which is common in most families, it, we don't really want to talk about it. Sure. And most of us know what it looks like, but maybe we don't have the words to say something's off, something's not right. Um, we, it's important to be able to talk about it in our families because um, if it's predictable, it's preventable. Um. And so I look at this, this is 50% of a substance use disorder is um, genetic. And so that's the part that we need to talk about as family, as families, because that is a, that can protect us and mm -hmm. our children. Right. Um, that's a huge part of your story too. Yes. It's just because I think you look back and think if I had known a lot of less would have happened and that's. I mean, part of what you're doing now is all that is prevention yes. and all that kind of stuff. And we'll definitely get into that. But when you were talking about, um, like the alcohol started like in high school, is 14. that right? So 14. And then were there other drugs included in that or just, oh, yeah. it, just it, whatever it, came along kind of thing? Yes. And okay. the, the, the thing that is, um, I guess dangerous for young people, for teens, mm -hmm. they're poly users, which means they're going to use whatever in front of them mm -hmm. because young people, um, they're, they're, they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so more often than not, you know, one of the things that's different for a young person that, um, finds that they need help and support as a teenager with drugs and alcohol, as an adult, what we identify with, what was your drug of choice? Right. Um, now mine was alcohol. That's the thing that kind of messed me up, but I use drugs as well. And so, you know, if, if I were to sit and share with someone what I used, it would be like, well, that's a drug problem. But I didn't identify that. So young people are using what's ever in front of them. Yeah. And um, again, it's just, it's the difference between adults and, young, and teens. Because uh, usually adults find one that they like, and then it totally messes them up. Um, but I always, the when I share again with the teens, one of the things I say to them, it's not about... I'm not standing in front of young people or even adults for that matter going, no one should drink or do drugs. The truth is that a lot of people get to. And, and so the issue is not, it's not about shaming people or making them feel uncomfortable. Um, it's the people that understand and have education that it's in their family or young people that are 
that have ADHD or any anxiety, depression, it's it's knowing that and it's knowing how to take care of yourself yeah. because you add a drug, drugs and alcohol on top of stuff like that. Be, yeah. It's like gasoline. Right. And so it's just it's learning to support each other, support young people in delaying use mm-hmm. um, again, because it's a brain disordered. Um, we just have to help and support people to allow their brains to grow and develop the way they're supposed to. Right. Um, especially understanding the genetic component because it's massive. It is massive. So when I graduated from high school, um, I ended up going to three different universities. And I did so because I I kept thinking something's wrong. And I, I talk when I talk about it now, I, I'll share that it, it, it's like an anchor. It's like I couldn't move through that stage of life like everyone else. It was very difficult. Um, school was very hard. And I... I have the strain of alcoholism that I have is I'm a binge user. Mm -hmm. And so I kept thinking, well, I don't drink or which is a hard one. because a lot of people will excuse that, which is another element. to All this, but keep going. Yes. And so I kept thinking, well, I'm not doing it every day. And matter of fact, I mean, I could go weeks and I, I stopped. I got sober when I was 26 years old. And up until that point, I'd never used by myself. I wasn't, and I wasn't using when I was sad or trying to escape anything. I just, I wanted to be able to be social like everyone else. And, and so, but every time I would use or drink, I'm like, oh, that didn't work. And, you know, it was always a train wreck for me. Um, And so going, I, I kept switching schools thinking, I'm going to control it here. I'm, it's going to be different. But, you know, then it's that funny little saying that the problem, it was me, and I'm following myself to these schools. And so ultimately, I ended up at USC, and it, it was ugly. Um, I barely graduated. I had to hire an attorney to graduate because my grades were so poor. And I managed through it. Um, and then I ended up moving to... Uh, DC, Washington, DC. And I was like, okay, now I'm an adult. I am going to totally control it. I'm going to start drinking wine because that's what adults do. And I got there and that didn't work. (sighs) Shocking. And um, I ended up getting a DUI when I was 25. Uh, And it took me eight years to get through college. And Mm -hmm. so again, the anchor, everything, it was like my life was moving. I had to move through mud it, it was just, it was difficult and exhausting. Um, but ultimately, I got a DUI when I was 25 years old, and uh, I blew a high number. Um, and it, I hadn't even gone out that night. And so when I had to go through their diversion program, um, I was the only female in this class. And I sat there that night um, looking at these older men, and I'm mm-hmm. judging them in my head. I'm sure. like, geez, man. Too bad for you. I know. Really. Sad. Um, I just got bad luck. Oh, yeah. Right. Totally. My situation is different, which we all think. Yeah. Um, And as that night, we had to go around the room and share about how we got in the room. And uh, the woman who was in charge of that had me go last. And so I sat there as these men shared their stories. And about halfway through um, the group... It occurred to me, uh-oh, 
I have the highest blood alcohol number. And so oh. when it got to me, <clears throat> interesting. I started, I did, I had the highest blood alcohol and I started to cry. Oh. And the woman who led that group said to me, what do you, why are you crying? And I said, I, I think I have a problem. And I didn't mean like I have an alcohol problem. I wasn't confessing that at the, at that point, but just listening to everyone else, I'm like, shoot, I'm 25. And at the time, 120 pounds, I blew a 2-1 at nine o'clock at night. And I hadn't even gone out. That was just getting ready to go. And so that was the start of learning about this. Mm. And um, I managed through that process of the DUI and um, was dating my husband at the time, who came from an alcoholic home. And um, I was on a restricted driver's license. And the um, last time I ever drank was July 12th, 1995. And um, because I couldn't, I was on a restricted driver's license, my husband, who I was dating at the time, had to come get me. And I, as we were driving home, I asked him, um, let's stop and pick something to drink up on our way home. And he said, no. And he said, not only were you not doing that, he said, you're leaving in the morning And he said, Pam, I have to be honest. He said, I've never in my life met anyone more alive than you. He said, but I cannot do this. And I choose not to. And again, when people are able, and this is one of the things I talk about with the prevention group at Westland High School, if people have the courage to share with another their concerns about drug or alcohol use, I just encourage people to listen. It's like... Because more often than not, when someone says, hey, I'm concerned about your drinking, you as the person with the problem, you're going to lash out. Yeah, you're going to be defensive. Yep. And so I just encourage people, try not to, just be quiet. If nothing else, just be quiet. Um, because allow those seeds to be planted, because it's important, because it's a process. It's a process. This, I hope someday that we can identi- identify this faster. Right. And we can change how we feel about it and how the words we use um because again I believe it's a superpower well and just with your husband too now that I think about it or your now husband at the time of that I just I think it's so wise it was so strong of him to because he obviously was in love with you and was way into it and all this stuff but to have not in the enabling aspect of it he knew himself well enough to say, you know what, it is not healthy for me to be in yep. this. Yes. That takes a lot of, you know, being aware on the other side, too. Yes. If you really want to help that person, yes. too. Yes. You have to help yourself first. Yeah. And so that's in what, a marriage, outside of a marriage. Yes. It's the thing I respect about when I use my husband as an example, again, about delaying use. Mm-hmm. My husband... As a young person, his father was alcoholic and his dad um, was a 24-hour-a-day drinker. Mm-hmm. And my husband, at a very young age, was able to identify there was a correlation between his dad's behavior and this drink. And so as a young person, my husband was like, I'm not touching it. Whatever that is, is bad. And so, and we can talk about this, it's, my husband actually experimented but he didn't use. And there's a significant difference. Yes. And <clears throat> so as a young person, he's like, I'm not touching it, not doing it. And, you know, managed through high school and then started to experiment in college. But today he's normal. Yeah. It's like 
his brain developed the way it was supposed to and can protect it protected itself. And I'm the opposite. I, my dad was a binge user. And so situationally, he would drink and then always take it too far. Um, and I ended up joining him. And, you know, my situation was almost like it was a perfect storm. My mom, her father was killed by a drunk driver. Wow. And so, you know, my dad, my parents were both young and my dad loved a good time. And so my mom being terrified of the drinking and driving, um, it, it's not that my parents purchased alcohol for us, but I think my mom felt more safe that it was in our home and that she didn't have to worry about us driving, but it, you know, everything was out of control and we were moving fast and fur- furious and, um, it didn't end well. I mean, my father passed away at 64 and I'm in recovery. Um, and one of the things I get asked quite, quite often, it's how do I, how, 24 years, like, how have you done that? And I've never been anonymous. Um, from the moment I entered recovery, um, and I used it kind of as a, a way to hold myself accountable. So I would, I would share with people that I no longer drink or use drugs. And um, I did it so that I, yeah. if I fell off that I would feel so ashamed. But um, I could see that over time, it, I just, it started to empower me. It's like, and all the cliches are true in the 12 step world. Um, fake it till you make it. I, 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 to a certain extent, I feel like I'm still faking it. Yeah. And I just, I keep, um, I don't know, chugging well, along. Well, it's, I, I think too, it's like, um, and this kind of covers a lot of areas too, is that it's not your identity. It's no. not who you are. It's what you have to deal with. Yes. And so I, I think in some sense, won't you always kind of feel out of body with it a little bit? Oh, for sure. Uh, every now and then um, I'll call my mom and I'm like, this is real, right? Like, I actually do have a problem. Yes. Yeah. Like, do I actually have a problem? Yeah. Because again, you do, you get. You are who you are. Yes. And you, you don't want to be that. Nope. And it's, it's, and if willpower actually worked. Yeah. Um, I mean, the people in recovery are powerful people. Uh, and so if willpower worked or if there, if there was a cure, I always, one of us would have found it for sure. 100%. Right. There's a lot oh, yeah. more people in recovery. Oh, than, yeah. It's oh. like one of us, oh, man, it's like a, a squirrel with a, a nut we would have found it if it had, if if it existed um so it's like it it doesn't and um but again you get to live in a world where people are authentic and we just help each other um well so back to where you were like you you know you're in the husband thing and you're like okay you that is what really just made you like okay oh, yeah. I do have a problem I yep. do which is awesome yep so and again, how did it go yep, from there? Through my through my drinking and using life, I had a few friends and for sure family that would bring it to my attention. And of course, it made me angry. Um, but that night when my husband said those words that I'm not doing this and you're leaving, um, I'm a blackout drinker. And so it was interesting, though, because I it's like the clouds parted and I knew, wow, this is over. And so I. I woke up the next morning, of course, I didn't feel well, and I got all dressed up, you know, I'm look to the nines. Yeah, like a kid from LO and Lake Oswego and graduated from SC. And I now I'm at the time working for Roger Staubach, who's a former Dallas Cowboy. So I think I'm so cool. And so I got all dressed up 
and I I think about it now, and I'm, I'm always like, I must have looked in the yellow pages for a treatment place. Um, I'd never met anyone in recovery. I'd never met anyone that had to go to treatment, and so I just, it's like I'm throwing it to the wind, man. Here we go. And I, I found a place, and I, as I was walking up the steps to this place, I was like, I am going to answer truthfully all the questions that are asked and they may take me away in a straight jacket. And if that happens, I'm just going to deal. Um, and so it was the, it was the process. I went in, I, I was honest and answered yes to everything. Uh, so brave. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's freaking brave. You just, you got to let it go. It's, we overthink most things and, that and basically that's what this guy said to me he goes here's the deal um you do get to s- decide right now if you live or die and he goes there's four ways out you're not going to like any of them jail death insanity or sobriety um and i actually had to s- sit and think about it i was like huh well i wonder how much jail time i mean what are we really talking about and the right. truth is any normal person sitting in the room would have been like hello it's it's sobriety but right. i'm that's a process. Well, that's a huge. Yeah. It, like what? Right. <laughs> Eternity. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, because sitting there at the time, none of those. I don't want any of those. None of them are. It's like, uh, uh-uh. um, and he said, Pam, I'm sure you're smart. He said, but you have to understand the decisions and choices that you've made. Have you here in front of me? I'm a drug counselor. So I suggest you shut up and start listening. And it was that, oh, and in my head, I'm like, I hate, I hate you. How dare you speak to me that way? But I sat there thinking, I mean, it's like inside I knew the words he spoke, that was the truth. And so he said, just Pam, stop talking and just start listening. And so again, is that because you want to defend yourself? Oh, for sure. And you've spent a lifetime defending yourself and manipulating situations and, that's the blessing of crossing into recovery. You don't have to anymore. They're going to ask that you speak the truth. Let us help you in the truth mm. and not these made up worlds to try to, you know, to try to protect yourself because we're professional at it and we practice a lot right. trying to make it look like it's not this and that. And most people know that it is. And more often than not, it's the person who suffers is the last to know is to, mm. you know, the last one to say the words. And so I, I just started, I'd show up and check the boxes and do as I was told. And, um, and you had mentioned too, this is kind of a little funny side note. (laughs) I just think it's so funny when you said you were dressed up and you were like, there is no way he's going to think I'm an alcoholic. Like, (laughs) right. And he did. I mean, he was, um, he looked at you like you were like. He, I mean, he looked at me and he asked me the question, do alcoholics not look like you? Oh, yeah. that's what it was. And do I was alcoholics like, alcoholics not look like you? Oh, and, my God. You know, and again, just to hear <laughs> someone speak to that's, you. At, it's right. Like, <gasps> but he like pinpointed it as oh, yes. deep insecurity right there. And again, Which is that's mean, how obvious know. it is. Right. You know, and the people that are in recovery and... um. We know that. And we're in a weird way, you're excited for people to cross over because you know that hope and healing are possible. Mm-hmm. And in, in the world of recovery, you, 
you kind of you get to tell the truth, you get to be who you are, and you get to learn who you are and all the good stuff that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And there's peace. I mean, that peace of wanting to belong and that the feeling of uh, not having to think through stuff in such how, how am I going to control and what am I going to say to so and so all of that goes it, it's every day I wake up I remember yesterday I'm present um, I get to live in myself and I get to ask for help um, I, I have a group of women um, I refer to as my tribe because it, I mean life is not perfect and so when things come Mm-hmm. If I start, you know, the brain starts to loop the Triggers. story and, trigger, yeah, trigger, trigger, and it's trigger. like, oh, and, and this and that. And how am I going to control? And if I can just, you know, stop myself and reach out and say, OK, talk me off the ledge. Um, it's to be able to do that. It's a yeah. gift and it's a yeah. gift uh, that we all receive. And it takes time. And um, again, it's a manageable thing. You're not there's no cure. Mm-hmm. And. I read once and I love it. It's like I pay rent to this every single day. I'll never own it. Um, and, you know, I have three children now. And um, after a few years of being in recovery, my um, dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And one of the things he was asked when he was newly diagnosed is, Mr. Flora, do you drink? And which has always stuck in my mind. And I'll, I'll share that at, at a later point. But um, at the time, he said, we don't know that Parkinson's and alcoholism are correlated. But um, and I learned later that there is there is. Correlation. Yeah. And so um, I don't want Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the same strain of alcoholism that my father had. And um, and again, now I have three. I have three children. Uh, one will turn 21 in two weeks. Uh, I have a 19 year old and a 14 year old. And they've not ever known their life without I mean I'm they have a mom in recovery and they know what that means um we talk about it a lot I talk about it a lot and they roll their eyes um but it's still in their head I mean they know the truth absolutely um and uh Fierce Pierce oh yeah it's like <laughs> sorry and it's I'll start sorry not sorry yeah yeah but I I'll start my yeah getting on it because I feel so deeply about it sure um well you've seen you've seen it you've seen it I've seen what the human spirit Mm -hmm. can do and it's miraculous and it it is powerful and it it's incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. to watch someone heal um in supernatural ways um it's it's a blessing and the blessing's mine um because I don't feel shame um I've been in recovery now almost I mean double the amount of time that I drank and so I've spent most of my life as a person, you know, who's alert. I'm always on. And um, is there ever a moment where you're like, oh, I'd like to have a drink? I call it floating. I'd love to float. It's the only way I can describe. I don't I don't think so much of the the drink, but it's like just to allow myself to, you know, and I think that's why things like meditation and just finding different ways. I'm hooked on Candy Crush, but that's a separate thing. That's kind yeah. of my float. <laughs> Um, I was I was into that with Bejeweled back in oh, college. It, yeah. yeah. When everyone's doing their homework, I was like, ding, ding, yep, yep. ding. Oh, and the minute it's... I hit Candy Crush, I'm like gone. <laughs> it's like hours have passed. Um, but yeah, it, it's those are I, I call it floating. And I it's like, so you I you crave float. floating moments. Yeah. Where I'm the brain can just. But that's not, be... not necessarily. 
bad though, is uh, it? No, it, it's and it, so much of um, a substance use disorder, it's it's behaviors because we can we can trade off. I mean, it can go from food to shopping to gambling. I mean, it will okay, move right. quickly. Gaming, you know, it, it, addiction to addiction. Oh yeah, it moves quickly, and um, and you just have to identify it. Uh, you know, motives and motives. why are you doing what you're mm. doing and um. And again, having people that you can ask, you yeah. know, say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Because we start these different behaviors quite a, quite a while before we actually take a drink or take a drug. You're actually starting the path long before you actually pick it up. And so that's, again, that's educating yourself. That's having people around you that love you and can support you and say, hey, it's, you're tired. Or, you know, we call it halt the hungry angry lonely or tired um those are we're deep feelers and it's important to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. because when you're exhausted um it's like filters are gone i can't deal anymore um your mind starts playing tricks on you yeah you can't make you can't make rational decisions right again it's learning who learning about yourself understanding yourself and am i perfect not even close but Again, having people around me that know me, it's like, just go to bed or go take a minute. Because, again, I'm an emotional person. Mm-hmm. I and Well, you know, and different, too. I think, like, for me, I am as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what you need might be something different than what else, someone else yep, needs. self-care. Yeah, self-care so, is like, important. if you need to go watch a movie, yep, that's what you need. Yeah, Your could, husband might not. Nope. Or I, for me, it's like I need to escape, and escape is a tough word. Like I need time by myself. Yes. Okay, and it's to not think about anything. Right. Because I do that a lot. Yes. And so I finally, you know, in my age, I've like Brian, you think differently than I do. Like I'm intense. I'm intense. Yeah. You're intense in a different way. I'm intense in this way, and my mind needs to shut off because I used to equivalent my actions with with how I get breaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I've done yard work, this, 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 this. I need a break. I get the I get the relief mm-hmm. of a break, right? Whereas actually it was my mind that needed a break. Yes. So actually I could go in the yard, actually work hard and actually get a mental break. It yes. just depends on where identifying. Yes. Yeah. And so it's I used whatever to your brain is thinking mm-hmm. is the break. Right. And, and again, that's the whole mental health awareness stuff that we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. The brain, it's... It's really important to take care of it. Yeah. It's like, it's the connector of right. all of it. True and self-care. Yes. It, it's, and, and so again, I mean, that's a good point. If it's self-care and it, in recovery, it's called recovery capital and things that help and support us. And it's going to look different. Right. Um, they should call it brain care. It, yes. Because self-care is, yes, it can be confused You're these right. days. It's BC. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it, and it, it's true. Okay. It's um, the brain needs to I break. Yeah, and I um, again going back to the Parkinson's thing. Well, actually, I'll finish this. So, again, being a person that it's never been anonymous um, about, I I have taken it, and I did. I have any idea that the world would, you know, all the stuff that's happening now. Did I think that this would be the end of the, you know? or this is all the stuff that would take place. No. Um, but it, again, not being anonymous. I, I get, 
I would get lots of calls and, you know, people asking questions and, um, and I would just share my experience, strength and hope. And it's about five or six years ago, um, because my husband and I moved back to West, you know, Portland, what we moved into Westland uh, 20 years ago, crazy. Um, And, you know, so I did the whole raising babies and blah, blah, blah. And quickly, my, my son, he was probably six years old, um, approached me one day and he said, Hey, mom, adults drink beer and you don't. Mm. Why don't you? And I said, I'm allergic to it. Yeah. And he said, am I? And I said, probably. We'll always have to be aware. And he's like, what happens? And I said, well, I said, when I drink, I don't make good decisions. And it just, it doesn't work for me. And, um, and I said, and I, I didn't drink every day. I said, I could drink once a year. And the crazy that I would create, it's like it would probably take me a year to recover. And I, you know, it's the concept I used to try to explain to my kids. Because most people are like, well, I don't understand. Why can't you have one? Well, my brain's not, that's not, that's not even a concept. And because once I have one, my brain thinks of nothing else but getting number two. And so, you know, it's, it's compulsion. It's like, I, I'm obsessed. Um, And so when I got sober, the, for the first year, I had to be very kind to myself because you're changing everything, everything I associate I associated with drinking. It's sunny. It's Friday. It's Christmas. It's my birthday. It's so, so-and-so's wedding. I mean, everything. There was always a reason to drink. And so it's it just trying to educate my children that, um, and the blessing, you know, in our house, because my husband, quote unquote, normal, um, the focus has never been on drugs or alcohol. Um, and I, I asked my oldest daughter one time, this is a couple of years ago, Ellie, when dad and I entertain big or small, do you associate entertaining with drinking? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, why? And I started to cry because I'm like, oh, wait, she said, no, why? Yeah. Like, why she, don't we? Yeah, well, she's like, why would I focus like that? Oh, got it. You know, it. And, um, why don't we? <laughs> it's, uh, and, you know, and I, I, they talk about, I, cause I am the child of an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and I can barely say without crying, but I'm breaking the chain. Yes, you are. And it's so my daughter in a social environment does not associate entertaining or being with friends as a drinking is something you would drink with. And so um, I'm crying and she's like, mom. And but it's like, Ellie, that's so good because I still do, even though I've been sober a long time. In my head, I'm like, is there enough? And how are people going to do X, Y, and Z? And um, it's just it's just part of the right. how my brain tries to process all of it. So the blessing of being able to break that cycle for my children. And should my kids ever have to enter recovery, um, you know, all the evidence and research that if you have a parent in recovery, your chances of recovery increase. And so that brings me hope. Um, especially, you know, I have kids that are in college and I, I, you know, I've said to my kids, there isn't a person on this earth that wants it to be normal for you more than me. But with that said, I have to come for you if I see it, because I know it's a battle to the death. And, um, 
and they're always like eye roll and I know I know and um but you know we do it day by day and um my son turns 21 in two weeks that's crazy to me yeah um but the um you don't look I mean I should I will say you do not look like the mom of a 21 year old okay can't believe it because I feel like I'm 21 right um but uh so about five or six years ago um I was approached by a woman who led the Westland Community Task Force Uh here locally. And I was aware of her organization because, again, I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. I love getting people the information that they they need to protect themselves, Mm -hmm. um, to make educated decisions and to be able to support themselves and their families. And she reached out via social media, asked if we could meet. I always say yes when people are like, hey, can I... Will you? And yes, the answer is yes, because I love the connections, Mm -hmm. how the universe works. And uh, she and I met and she shared with me um, that her kids were graduating, that she would like to see this work continued. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'd love I'd love to be able to lean in and help and support. Um, Because, again, I was doing it just in my own way. But now this was a platform to look at things in a different way and be able to help more people. And so we ended up, um, I tried to, I, you know, figure out, because she was the mother of someone who had a substance use disorder, and I'm the person with a substance use disorder, so I had a different lens. And we ended up changing the name to Community Living Above, because um, it's it's bigger than one town. Mm-hmm. Um, and about two years into it, uh, I was introduced to a documentary called Generation Found. And Generation Found profiled a recovery high school and an alternative peer group. Um, and in order to watch the film, you had to rent it at a big theater. Um, and I, I was like, well, shoot, I, I'm willing to do that work, like get all these people and tickets and blah, blah, blah. Um, because... I was very interested. I'm like, what is a recovery high school and an alternative peer group? Uh, and intuitively, I was like, I probably needed that. What is that? And so... So how long ago was that again? What year? August. Uh, it was August 31, 2017. Okay. Um, and I, there was probably 75 of us up at the Oregon uh, Regal Cinemas. And as I sat and watched the film, I'm bawling. And I, I, I mean, I couldn't catch my breath. I was, I was, I kept thinking, this seems so familiar. Did I, shoot, did I do this in a different life? Or is this where it's going? And I, then I felt like, oh, I'm being dramatic. And, but I just had an overwhelming experience watching it and just to identifying with the concepts mm-hmm. and feeling, God, what would it have been like? to have that support, um, to know, to, to be identified quickly that that is what it is. And this, there is a place that you can go. And so one of the co-founders of the school, uh, was also in the room and he and I went to high school together and he stood up when the lights came on and shared his story and said to me, and I was in the front of the theater, he's like, Hey, Pam, I think we can do this. And I, I, I mean, I had swollen eyes and could barely talk. And um, that school came to life supernaturally. And um, 
two years later, I'm sitting in the Lake Oswego administrative building on the ground on which I started using drugs and alcohol when I was 14 years old. And the date was May 7th. And that's my father's birthday. And my dad has been deceased for 10 years. So again, May 7th, my father's birthday, sitting on the ground on which I was introduced to drugs and alcohol, where I won biggest partier so long ago, watching as my alma mater unanimously voted in the first recovery high school in the state of Oregon, was the most amazing gift. I, I, it's, hard even, it's hard to even put to words what I felt in that moment, because had someone come to me on the day that I won Biggest Partier and said, hey, Pam, 30 years from now, you're going to be in long-term recovery, and you're going to open the first recovery high school in the state of Oregon. Not in a million years. And so that, to be able to watch it be able to be a vehicle for other people to heal, to know that it's real. Um, My mom and I, on the first day of the school, um, she and I went together, and she and I talk about whether or not she could have gotten me to attend a recovery high school. Oh, interesting. And, (laughs) you know... (laughs) It's a long shot. You're de- right. not only well back in their time oh, too. Now yeah. it's a little more. It, it's and you're dealing with a teenager. You know, yeah. it's like, and my response yeah, to whether response? or not is, um, it, it. I guess in the big picture, it doesn't matter. It's that the seeds would have been planted. That I right. would have known that it was real, and that what I was experiencing was real, and that it could have been a place. Um, and as, you know, as we were building it, we'd have moments where we'd laugh and cry about the people that would have been there with us because I've lost friends to it. I mean, sure. who have died, whose lives have been totally destroyed because this is a very powerful disease and it will take everything you have. Sometimes it's a fast, a fast death, but a lot of times it's a slow, just taking little things and little things, but it takes everything. And you end up, I mean, uh, annihilated, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, And again, there is hope and healing. We recover. Um, We don't get cured, but we recover. And we live amazing lives. Uh, And at the time, you know, when you have to step in or cross over, it's it's probably the most difficult part. Sure. you mean and when you say I have I a have prob- a problem. Yeah, that's yes. the dif- that's the most it's, difficult part. It is un it's unreal. It is out of body. Yes. And and I in our after the after school piece, which is called an alternative peer group, and the one here in Westland is called Family Inspired Recovery. The young people I had one of the young people ask me, um, Pam, why are you here? Like what? And I'm like, I have this too. Yeah. And by the way, I don't want it either, but I have it. And, you know. How awesome for them to see that, though. Oh, yeah. Because, again. They just don't. No. It's. They're almost judging. Oh, yeah. It's like, what's your problem coming here? Like, you know. In the same when I was a young person walking in those rooms. Right. um, And I would see people share, I'm 25 years sober. I'm like, what are you still doing here? What is your problem? But it's because you're, you're, you it's a connection. You find your tribe. You find the way. It's like, wow, life is amazing. You know, it's just you're looking at it through a different lens and through mm-hmm. different support. Well, probably support for the first time ever. Um, and, and so it's just 
again, I it's a blessing. It, it is an absolute blessing for me to be able to. Well, one thing you said, too, in the beginning of the conversation was you always felt like you, even before you started drinking, you felt off. Oh, always off. Different. That's, see, that's a hard thing to hear on the other, like not being in your brain because it's like, okay, what did you feel off about? Like, but you to, enough to where you felt more normal on alcohol than not alcohol. Yep. That now that you're not doing alcohol and yet feel like yourself, that to me speaks... Because you learn a, a different you, volume. You receive supports. Mm -hmm. It's identifying. I am a deep feeler. Mm -hmm. I, I do overthink, and it's having people say yes, yes, and this is how we're gonna make that work, or mm -hmm. give you permission to stop thinking um, about that over and over and over again. Um, it's understanding trauma. Um, when I, I didn't realize, or I didn't even acknowledge that, I, that to identify a traumatic upbringing. I was like, well, I didn't have a traumatic upbringing. Um, I didn't, I didn't identify that being the child of an alcoholic mm -hmm. is tra traumatic. Yes, and. Even a loving yes. father yes, who yes, yes. adored you, yes. and it's like you want to say to yourself. But no, I, I was grew up in a house of love. That's right. Yes. But it's traumatic. When did you make that connection? How old were you in that? Because As, I, I was an adult. Right. It's like, even though I've always known, um, I was visiting with a counselor um, fairly recently. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll share something. And the response she said to me, well, that it's, it's your worldview, Pam. It, you're the child of an alcoholic. And it's like, oh, I, even though I know this, yeah. to hear it, I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, but I am. That's my, that's how I protected myself. And yeah. my brain quickly goes back to it. Um, you know, trying to call what's going to happen next. And uh, it's because I'm the child of an alcoholic. And it, um, I mean, that's one of the things. So through the prevention work, uh, I have a monthly lunch at Westland High School um, and I have over 200 students who are on a list who come probably to the lunches. There's probably 80 between any time between 50, 80 kids that attend these monthly lunches. And yeah. I always get nervous before the lunch. I'm like, no one's going to show. This is just so awkward. And then it's just, bam. yeah, it's like, wow. And I'm so impressed because sure. the courage it takes to come in as a young person and say, I want the information. And there's never really an agenda. It's just, I share with them what the truth and what the facts are. Um, most young people do not use drugs and alcohol. Um, experimentation and use are different. They're, they're defined differently. Right. And experimentation, you know, could be a... Um, a one or two time thing. Uh, use is when things become habits. And so if you're using every Friday night, uh, it's like you need to be able, you know, I try to encourage the people in the high school, the students in the high school, 
having the conversations in your families without judgment, without pointing at your parents is really, really important because it's, it's, it's the way you're going to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, many, many families have this in their home. Um, it's the numbers are high. It's like one out of 10 people have it. And then one out of three have it in their home or can identify, you know, with a family member that has a substance use disorder. And yet, again, it's one of the things we do not like to talk about. And it's the first line of defense for a young person is to know, do you have it in your family? Um, and if yes, how many people? And it's not to say how many people, because then you're really bad. It's like, how many people? Because the more people that have it, it's going to up your genetic vulnerability. Um, and well, so we try that, to... Yeah, that's a lot. We try to empower you know, the students to be able to have the conversations. And I'll say to them... If your voice shakes, if you cry, it's okay. Just get the words out. Ask the questions so that you have that information and you can make those decisions. And uh, it's not about say no to drugs and alcohol. That Drugs and alcohol are bad. It's like that's not the message. The message is delaying use, especially if we have it in our family. Because our bra your brains as teenagers, they're still, I mean, they're still growing. They're, they're taking in all this new information. And for those of us that are genetically vulnerable, you add drugs and alcohol to that, the brain, dopamine's always going to look for it. Right. And the minute it, they call it, get, your brain gets hijacked. It's, it's hijacked forever. Mm -hmm. And once you cross that, yep. then, and, you're, and the, then you're fighting against it. Always. And again, there's no cure. We, I like to continue searching for it just in case, but right. um, there is no cure. Um, the cure is knowing that there's no cure. Yeah. And I mean, that, that it is preventable. Mm -hmm. I read an article in time that said, if it's predictable, it's preventable. And I'm like, yes. So what does it look like? How do you, well, that's, you that's exactly yourself? right. What does it look like? And that is what we're going to talk about next. Okay. Because that is a whole shebang, a shebang, a babang. Yep. And, um, we're gonna, we're going to wrap that this up for this week. And um, next week, we're going to be talking about prevention, identifying it in your identifying what it is, and also alcoholism or drug use and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, do you have that? I think a lot of people wonder, do I have that? And I know we've kind of covered that a little bit, but talking about that, and then most of all prevention, because prevention, I mean, this is just so important and this is what you're all about so thank you anyway pam we will see you next week thank you thank you you've been listening to this topical life with tiffany murphy available through podbean itunes and google play look for us on instagram and facebook donations to help support this topical life can be made through patreon at patreon.com front slash this topical life Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories on this topical life. Because life ain't a vacation.